Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we'll be talking with Executive Vice President and Head of Programming at BET Networks, Connie Orlando. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Today, we'll sit down with Connie Orlando to discuss her incredible journey with BET, her hopes for the company, and her perspective regarding the changes live shows may face moving forward. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker. And today, welcome to the Waymaker podcast. And we have the privilege and the pleasure of talking to my very, very, very good friend, the executive vice president of music programming for BET Networks, Miss Connie Orlando. Welcome, Connie. Hi, Lewis. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Oh, no, it's, it's our pleasure. And it's the Waymaker community's pleasure to be able to have a conversation with you about what you do and the impact uh, that you are making on uh, television, the impact you're making on the music industry. It is our real pleasure. So welcome to the Fireside Chat and the Waymaker podcast. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. So tell our audience, if you don't, I will, but I think you could do a better job of what do you really do at BET Networks? So I executive produce all the specials. Um, I oversee all the award shows, all the temp polls, which means the BT Awards, the Image Awards, the Soul Train Awards, the Hip Hop Awards, as well as, well as any other special that's on network uh, and any music related content. Um, I also oversee our news, divi- our news division, um, which we're not a news outlet, but we do a lot of news docs, breaking news and news specials every year. Like we're coming up on the anniversary of George Floyd and we're prepping three specials and we've done you know, a lot of uh, news docs that have received a lot of critical acclaim over the years, like Stay Woke, um, uh, Smoke with Nas as an EP, a lot of you know, cutting edge things. So I oversee all that content. Well, uh, thank you for that. Uh, We really appreciate that. And I'm sure our viewing audience appreciates that. So we've been in COVID now for over a year. How has that changed your process and your approach to delivering entertainment and news to this particular audience? You know, COVID is very interesting. I think, you know, what it did, and I'm actually very thankful that that it did this, it just got me thinking another way. I think creative folks, you know, you're creative, you're creative until you're forced to kind of think of things and evolve. And I think with, I, I like to call it like a paradigm shift, uh, COVID like shifted everything and how we think. And now it's more like, what can we do? And it's not because we have to, it's how do we become more, you know, innovative? How do we evolve with new, different, bigger um, that we can do? So it just got me thinking differently creatively about, you know, what outside the box looks like. And at the same time we had COVID-19, we've uh, had to deal with racial inequality and uh, social unrest. How has that changed the way you tell stories and you present content? You know, I think 
what it's done most of all, I think, you know, I'm always been an advocate of telling stories. Like I love telling our stories. I think it just really, as we tell, like just being intentional and there's no watering down. It's being more, you know, unapologetic in my storytelling. And as we tell these stories and really being authentic as to what they are, the messages that we want people to receive and just the truth. So I like to think that our stories walk in a truth that needs to be heard. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how do you think about, you've got these four major award shows. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you think about each of them differently? What is the unique sort of value that each of them sort of bring to the audience? You know, I think I like to think of our award shows, well, they're all my children. And as children, they all have. That, that, was a, that was a show itself, Connie, all my children. That, all that my children, right. <laughs> you know, I think I try to give them all their own unique personalities, right? So you have, you know, Soul Train, which is grown and sexy. You have the Image Awards, which is very Black excellence. You have uh, the BET Awards, which is just the best in Black culture. And then you have hip hop, which is, you know, everything relevant everything now. And I think with each of them, I always try to just showcase like where we are right now, where we've been, because it's important to kind of see where we've been and then really give some insight or a glimpse into the future and where we're going with like what's new and what's next. Uh, and they all come together in their own ways with their own personalities and deliver. So we are about what, five weeks out from the big one, the BET Awards. How has all of technology, COVID-19, COVID restrictions, how has that impact on how you engage with talent and how you put a show together? Uh, matter of fact, is the BET Awards going to be live, virtual? Can you tell us anything right now? I can tell you. I can tell you we are going to be live, live. That means everything, 98% of everything you will see will be happening live on that stage in front of a live audience. And I'm excited because it just it's just a signaling, like, signaling that we are back. Um, last year was challenging and it was super scary you know, being hit with COVID and then really having to relearn how you do these things. Like I've been on sets and in person for the last 25 years. And it was just like, I had to sit down and learn tech in a way I never uh, had to before. And I was under considerable time constraints, <laughs> given that the award show, we had to, we made a decision, I think first week of May, and the show was literally like six weeks away. So we had to learn and then execute. And in the process also just teach others you know, how, how they had to learn too. But, you know, I think it, the good part of it is, I think it taught me one to, that I can release a little bit of the control <laughs> and trust, you know, uh, that things will get done. And I think just on a creative level, it was just kind of fun to kind of see, you know, to take the, the guardrails off and see what we could do when we weren't limited to, to that little stage. Um, and being live. And I think we did an amazing job. And how is talent feeling about coming back uh, to do a live show? You know, talent. After being out so long. You know, they're feeling good. Like we have more people lined up that want to do the show this year and huge names. Um, 
than at every, any other time. And I think it's a function of like just this reawakening of, you know, COVID is still here, but we, we've kind of learned how to kind of work with it. Um, and, you know, everybody's, I think the last year, all the artists probably just dove into their art. There's a lot of, lot of albums coming out this summer. And, you know, people are just anxious to get back on the big stage and show the world. So in the business we're in, Mm -hmm. it's all about relationships. How do you build and maintain relationships over long periods of time? You know, and that's a great question. For me, my relationships, I think they're just all like they they involve integrity and consistency. Um, I think I like to just deliver on any promise that I make. And when I can't, I like, I don't like to, but I call and I'm transparent about why I can or what needs to happen. And I think another big part is just access. I think you gotta, you have to stay in touch with folks. Like I get a lot of, I'm the most popular person in the world in the next four weeks. And then, you know, (laughs) a lot of people like that just call me around the awards, but I think true relationships and true, you know, advocates and friends come from, it's a year round, it's a relationship that has to be maintained. It involves care and, you know, it's just important. So I just try to, you know, bring my true self to all my, my relationships. You know, we here at Waymaker Connie, we believe that anybody who has been successful, we say anybody, have had Waymakers in their life in some form or fashion. Uh, If you've really, really, really been successful like you, you've probably had multiple Waymakers in your life. Uh, Talk about some of those people. You know, there's uh, there's so many. You're right. There's so many. If I look at just let's look at television, I won't go into the many I had in my music video life. Um, But if you look at television, there was, you know, there's three that I'll three or four. So in kind of changing fields and going from music videos into television, um, Tracy Edmonds and Jack Benson were huge waymakers for me. Tracy, I was I was the executive producer for Hype Williams. And I wanted to get into television and she gave me my first job in television uh, on College Hill for BET. Um, and then in Jack Benson, he was just an, an advocate for me to go into this direction as opposed to film. Um, and then if you look at my BET career, there was you know Loretha Jones who gave me, I was her VP of original programming and she just gave me the runway to kind of really dive into other genres, whether it was scripted or unscripted or talk, or she kind of let me be me and learn and grow in that. And then, you know, lastly, I'll say Deborah Lee, because she gave me the platform as head of programming. And she, she really, you know, that was a huge opportunity. And I always tell, I always tell everybody, you never know who's watching you. And (laughs) it was, you know, I've been, I had been at BET, I think for like 10, 11 years. And then I was called to kind of come on board as head of programming. And, you know, I thought, you know, I love Deborah for that because it wasn't, you know, she, she literally went in-house and put someone in a position that, that could grow into it and bring a different perspective. So those are just to name a few. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to a few more uh, uh, later on in the conversation. So DE and I has been this, ongoing conversation for basically as we look back now the last year since um, the murder of George Floyd. Uh, 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. How do you go about executing on that as you hire producers and you hire other vendors and people that put all of these shows together? What's your thought process, whether it's women or whether it's people of color? How, how will you engage yourself in trying to make a difference there? So I think, you know, just as a whole, like I've always been passionate about diversity. And I think that's why I've always worked at, you know, companies that were African-American based. And, you know, it was so I could hire people who look like me in these roles, people who didn't have the opportunities. Um, we always did like a lot of, you know, grassroots things during the year to kind of see talent in front of and behind the camera that we wouldn't necessarily meet because they, they're not repped by agents. And that's always been our role. I think, you know, as we look to, you know, what's happened over the last year, I think it's definitely, I definitely paid more attention, not only to what I'm doing, but also to what others are doing. And I'm more like, I, I give referrals. I send lists of people who might be good for different ro roles. I talk to different headhunters and try to get them to involve me. But I think from, from where I sit, it's also just about developing the next layer of talent that's coming. And just really like I mentor a lot of, you know, young ladies and a few young men. Um, and just looking at it like not so singularly, I'm a little tongue tied, but as a collective, like, so what does my piece of the puzzle bring to the collective? Mm -hmm. You know, like what can I do that helps everyone be better in diversity and inclusion? So I just look at it that way and just really try to, I'm more involved I would say, and other, you know, what the global collective is doing than I had been previously. Do, do you feel any added pressure as others don't do that you have to do more? You know, I don't feel added pressure. I feel added responsibility. Like I've always felt it's just being a black woman. It was my responsibility, but now it's like, okay, I need to not only make sure that my ship is upright, I need to make sure that it holds you accountable for your ship and you accountable for your ship. And we all, you know, just that checks and balances. Like I'm more attuned and listening and holding people accountable to what they say than I may have been in the past. Have you seen change, much change over the last 12 to 18 months? Have you seen change? I've seen the beginnings of change. I think the payoff of, you know, the promises that were made last year at this time will be something that we'll probably start really being able to see at the end of this year. I think a lot of collectives have been formed, a lot of organizations, a lot of, you know, but I haven't seen the work of it yet. But I think it's coming. I feel good about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, it was, you know, talk is cheap and I feel like people are going to deliver. I'm just really hoping that you know, by the end of the year that we'll be able to see and then course correct where necessary with some of these folks. But um, I'll give it another six months, but I think we're, we're, we're tracking. Well, NBC made a big announcement uh, a week or so ago about not airing the, the Golden Globes in 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, in your opinion, that how do you feel about uh, them taking such a big, uh, and very open stance uh, around the Golden Globes and their lack of diversity. So I love it. I think it was a bold and brave move. I think sometimes, you know, people get so caught up in 
the bottom line, that they they may not make the right decisions because it's going to impact that bottom line. And that decision was just really bold to me. And I think it really goes to how we all have to kind of stand together. Like it wasn't just one, it was Netflix. Everyone coming together really, really made the impact. And it just shows the power of what we can do when we all align behind a, a particular goal or with a particular mission in, in hand. So let's change course for, for a second. Uh, you've produced uh, a lot of award shows, a lot mm -hmm. of award shows. Do you have a favorite? And if so, why? Now, when you say favorite, do you mean like a favorite show or just like specific show? Or do you mean just a favorite of the four or five I do? Of all of the four or five you've done over all of the years, do you have a favorite? Yes, I do. So it would be the BET Awards. It would be. And um, what year? You know, it would be, I believe it was, well, you know, BET Awards, it would be last year. Because I think last year was just, it was no filter. It was just no filter. And I feel last year's award show, even though it was virtual and it was a COVID year, in terms of the heartbeat of what the BT Awards is, I think it delivered on it. It delivered on it in a way that was unapologetic. It delivered on it in a way that was authentic. It delivered on it in a way of really having a pulse point on what was happening, what people were feeling, and entertainment. So I think it's the show that I am most proud of. And I'm proud because I, I know decisions we made during that time. It was like, you know what? Just go for it. Let's do it. And how did you come to that conclusion to sort of go that hard, to go all in deep? Was it the moment, the environment, the time? It was, it was everything. It was the moment we were in with the emotions around George Floyd. It was the moment we were in around, you know, just racial inequality as a whole. It was the moment we were in with, you know, being on CBS. It was the moment we were in with just having, you know, having to have changed my whole perspective and how I did the awards and what it would look like and just creatively. Um, it was all that, like, it was the perfect storm that like, this was the, the baby birthed out of that moment. So <laughs> when uh, this article is written, uh, the BT Awards will be over. What are you hoping people remember most about the show without giving anything away? You know, I'll, I'll, on a macro level, I always hope people are just very proud of the show. I think we, you know, the BT Awards is just a perfect uh, reflection of culture and, uh, and excellence. Uh, I think people are, I hope people are happy. I think it's the first show back, right? We've been in COVID for 16 months. It's the first live, live show. So I hope that people are excited. And then I, I always, the day after the awards, I hope that people just learn something new and that we, we gave them something that they weren't expecting. Like it's always those moments. I want, you know, I want there to be a lot of buzz on Monday. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't, can you believe they did that and they pulled that off? Well, you know, that, that, that's a, a, a great answer and a different answer because most uh, executive producers wouldn't use the word proud. They mm -hmm. would talk about how many people watched or, uh, 
you know, the highlight or some big uh, moment in the show. But to say that people are proud, I think is, is a different answer. And it's a big answer because it says something different about the brand and what the show stands for. So uh, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So you've met a lot of celebrities. You hung out with some of the biggest on the planet. If you had an intimate dinner, name four people that you would want at that dinner and they could be dead or alive. All right, we'd bring them back if they did. And, they, and that really would be special, right? <laughs> to have them at that dinner. But who are the four names that you would want uh, in your house, sitting at your table, having a meal and a great conversation? And be careful, Connie. This is going to say a lot about you, right? So be careful <laughs> with your answer. It is, it is. Well, next time you ask me this question, I want you, it has to be a dinner series because I see different dinners for different things. Oh, but okay. You want a dinner series. I want okay. a dinner series because it's like four that I want to talk about. But for this one, and just to give it context, like we're in this, this you know, people want to say moment. I want to say movement around Black womanhood, right? And mm -hmm. I would want to have a dinner at my house that kind of this discusses the trajectory of our girls and our women going into this, like this is the biggest year for black women ever and how we keep that going. So I would want, you know, you said someone that may have passed, I would love to have Miss um, Cicely Tyson there because mm -hmm. I think she just demanded respect at a time where it was hard <laughs> and she demanded it and she got it. I'd love, you know, Michelle Obama to be there because she just embodies grace and, you know, and, and forward thinking. And then, you know, I'd want Queen Latifah to be there because I think she had it when she did UNITY back in the day. She knew that there was something there and we just we thought it was a song and we should have <laughs> kind of picked it up as a real anthem back then. And then, you know. I'd want Cardi B there because I think she has the voice of all these young women. And I think, I don't think people give Cardi B enough credit for, you know, how smart she is. And I think she would add tremendously to the conversation as the person who kind of speaks to what's happening right now. So uh, that would be interesting and, dinner, kind of. Wait, wait, wait. And if I had a, if someone couldn't come, then I might want, if Cicely couldn't come, Ms. Tyson, I think I'd want to have this. Uh, this is going to be Harriet Tubman there because she's just a radical. <laughs> she was <laughs> radical before we knew what radical was. And well, well, Connie. Well, well, so when, when I look at that in totality, you get Cardi B. Uh, she a little radical. Uh, Queen Latifah Dana, as we call her, she yeah. a little radical. All right, she the equalizer now. All right, so she <laughs> she hurting people every weekend. Okay. <laughs> then you've got Michelle Obama. All right. She could be a little radical. <laughs> and you got Cicely, Cicely Tyson. Mm, uh, yeah, she could be a little. <laughs> then you're going to add Harriet Tubman. Yeah. We'd be, be a squad. Yeah, I was about to say, we got to be a game. I love it. I that, love that could be a whole team of equalizers. All right. Yeah. Let's get out here and, and level this playing field and get these get people energized about where so, we're going next. So as you look forward, Connie, 
what do you see, how do you see award shows looking in the future? Uh, you know, we've had some that haven't done well recently, mm -hmm. but what's the next iteration of an award show? Or do we have to wait to the end of June and you're going to show us, all right? <laughs> Show you, show you something a little different. I am. I think you know, just on a on a high level. I think award shows just they they do need to be reimagined. I think we learned a lot last year that you know there was room for that and there was excitement around that. And I think every year it's not going to be. You can't go back to the cookie cutter uh, formulas of just giving out awards and performances. It's really about you know how you engage your audience. You know how they get invested. And then how you deliver, you know, that content in a way that's fresh uh, and, and gets people talking. You know, I think, yeah. Purpose. Do you think these award shows are going to have to just stop, uh, stop being just platforms for people performing, that they're going to have to have particular purpose in order for large audiences to get involved? Yes. I think now more than ever, I think in the past, you know, you know, I did Black Girls Rock award show, which is all purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think now that we are here and people have had these, these months in this year to kind of reprioritize and get new perspective, I think purpose is very important. I think it's important on a corporate level. I think it's important on an engagement level. And, you know, I just think it's important. So I do think they need, you know, we all need to have a sense of meaning, like real meaning, not superficial mm -hmm. meaning. And, and where do you think music is going as, as you sort of look to the future? Woo, that is a great question. I like it. So that's where you started your career. Yeah. What do you think is good? You know, I think it's getting back to the, the roots of authentic music. I think we went through a period of time where artists were trying to not necessarily be themselves, but be cool, be what was happening right now. I see a lot of people just going back and being, you know, authentically themselves, authentically doing their art, you know, and I think when that happens, you feel it. Like you feel mm -hmm. it when you listen to it, you feel it when you see it performed because it's a passion point, it's a purpose point, right? And I see people going back to that, like uh, all the albums that I'm, I'm hearing, they're, they're deep. Some of them are really deep in terms of, you know, what they're, they're singing about. And, you know, I think it's just been a reawakening for music and right. everybody in this time. Any new projects you want to tell us about? Ooh, I have a, well, I have a personal project that's coming. Um, okay. can, you can you talk about it or is it secret? I can talk about <laughs> it to you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm embarking on, you know, creating my own fashion line uh, okay. clothing. So I've been, you know, it's been a passion project. Uh, like I said, I was a, a kid at six tearing up sheets and making toga dresses and fast doing fashion shows around the house. And I think COVID just like, I think it's important to kind of tap into those passions. I think that's one of the lessons out of COVID. And, you know, I rather try to do it than say, I wish I would have done it. So more to come on that, but hopefully by, you know, the end of the year, by September, October, I'll have something to, to show you and we can do a whole nother interview about it. Okay. Uh, is it a line for women? It's Men, a line, right? Both? Well, right now, this first line will be for women. 
And then, you know, I'm hoping to get into uh, the men in the next year or so. Okay. You you see how I've been trained? I didn't want to assume. All right. (laughs) Because you you have the breadth and the depth. One of the male designers of that line. (laughs) I can do that now. I I can do that. That'll be a great collabo. So, Connie, how can people get in touch with you, follow you? You know, people, you can DM me on Instagram at Connie Orlando or just send me an email at Connie.Orlando at BT.net. And very easy. And I'm, I'm as I'm kind of I'm very responsive. It may take me, you know, a day or two, but I, I try to get to all the emails that that kind of come in. OK. And the, the, the final thing is. What would you say to people who have the opportunity to be waymakers that are sitting on the sidelines? You know, I say, get up <laughs> and start, like make a way. And I, I used to do this program and it was like a mentor, a high school student, a college student and a high school student. And it was just beautiful because I would mentor the college student, but the college student would then mentor the high school student. So I think there's like, there's way makers. We're all way makers because we're, we're on a journey and we can always add insight to someone who's, you know, behind us and not, you know, advice that this is how you live your life, but just to give, you know, information. So if you have an opportunity to be a way maker, you should absolutely, absolutely take that. And that doesn't look, you know, it can be as small or as big as you want it, but you got to do it. And because it's so important and just a shout out to, to you, Lewis Carr, who has been an amazing way maker for me. Like people don't know, but Lewis, you, you, well, you know, you're like my first call. Like, Lewis, <laughs> what do you think? This happened. And I just, as I look at my career, especially the last 10 years, like you've been there above and beyond. You've been an advocate. You've been a friend. You've been a, okay, Connie, cut it out. <laughs> okay, Connie, like a cheerleader. And I appreciate that. And I wouldn't be where I am today without you and your, your help and you making a way for me. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Connie. Thank you for that. And thank you for this uh, Waymaker podcast. We appreciate you. And uh, this is going to be a part of a big women's issue in uh, September this year. So we're excited about it. And uh, we didn't want to do it without you. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, and I cannot wait. I'm so proud of this, and this is needed. This is so needed. And, you know, count me in with those those other radical women that'll be in, in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Connie. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Connie Orlando. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. You can connect with Connie by following her at Connie Orlando on IG. And don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.